Today we are going to be talking about business continuity planning and the reason I've invited you back on the podcast is yesterday I attended a webinar which I thought was excellent and and this webinar was called Protect, Pivot and Profit. I really liked the framework that you presented to us and I felt that my audience would really benefit from this in our current circumstances which are very uncertain given the whole coronavirus or COVID-19 debacle and the world is just reeling and people are trying to find their feet. Something I liked about what you shared yesterday was the silver lining. It's a really great way to kind of consider things. It's an ironic acronym, isn't it? PEST. Yeah. Now. <laughs> yeah. I'm Ryan Dice from digitalmarketer.com and you're listening to my buddy Ash Roy on ProductiveInsights.com. Welcome to the Productive Insights Podcast, where you can learn how to systemize, automate, and scale your business via the internet. To access previous episodes and useful productivity tips, go to www.productiveinsights.com. Now, here's your host, Ash Roy. Hello there. This is Ash Roy, the founder of ProductiveInsights.com, with a quick message for you. If you'd like to grow your business profitably and fast, head over to getmetodone.com where you can learn more about the Productive Insights membership program, which is designed to help you grow your business profitably and fast. We help you get clear on your target audience and create an irresistible offer around the specific problem that you solve for your audience. Once we've established an offer that's a good fit for your audience, we then help you to scale your business using marketing automation, which means you spend less time working and more time enjoying the fruits of your labor. If you'd like to learn more, head over to getmetodone.com right now and take that first step towards your business success and your time freedom. I hope you enjoy this episode and get a ton of value from it. I look forward to seeing you at getmetodone.com. Welcome back to the Productive Insights Podcast. This is Ash Roy, the founder of ProductiveInsights.com and the host of the Productive Insights Podcast. Today's guest is Carl Taylor, and since 2010, he's been teaching the world how to stop dreaming and start achieving. And this person achieves. Carl's a serial entrepreneur, and he's been running businesses since the age of 15. He's the author of two books and the founder of the Automation Agency, of which I am a member and subscriber, and I've found it to be an excellent service. The Automation Agency is a digital marketing implementation service that helps coaches, consultants, and business owners to maximize their marketing while minimizing their tech and team headaches. He's also the host of the Future of Humanity podcast, where he discusses what the future may hold with scientists, thought leaders, and business owners. So I'm delighted to have Carl Taylor back on the podcast. He was previously on episode 165, and we now have him here again on episode 192. So welcome back, Carl. It's a pleasure to be here. Good to see you again. Awesome to have you, man. So Carl, today we are going to be talking about business continuity planning. And the reason I've invited you back on the podcast is yesterday I attended a webinar which I thought was excellent, and a lot of what you do is excellent. And this webinar is called Protect, Pivot, and Profit. And we'll come back to the profit word in a minute. I really liked the framework that you presented to us, and I felt that my audience would really benefit from this in our current circumstances, which are very uncertain given 
the whole coronavirus or COVID-19 debacle and the world is just reeling. Businesses are shutting down left, right and centre. Countries are pouring trillions of dollars into their economies and it doesn't seem to be making much of a difference at the moment. Australia's poured billions and billions. So there's a lot happening. There's a lot of moving parts and people are trying to find their feet. Something I liked about what you shared yesterday was the silver lining. You have an optimistic approach, which I really like, but it's not just this woo-woo optimistic approach. It's founded in some facts and some, you know, some rigor. So I wanted to touch on that. But before we go into your protect, pivot and profit framework, I just want to preface it with the PEST framework, which I studied when I did my MBA. It's an acronym. It stands for Political, Economic, Social and Technological. And it's a framework which allows you to examine any industry. So if we look at the digital marketing space or let's say the online business space in general, when we look at it from the political aspect, which includes, by the way, regulatory changes and legislation and all that sort of stuff, we are seeing legislation pretty much being coming into force by the day. There are social distancing rules coming into place for good reason. Now, the point of this framework is, at least in my view, when you impose certain political or regulatory constraints on a system, in this case the system is the the economy, there are sociological impacts. In this case, people will have to find a new way to be and to do business, which means that society will have to move to more of an online delivery medium and an online purchase medium and so on. There are also technological aspects that get involved, like you know more Zoom, that sort of thing. And there's also economic impacts. So they all compound each other. So what I'd like to talk about today is we've already seen the political impacts happen and now we are soon going to see the social changes, some of which will remain even after this whole fallout happens. So I'd like you to share your thoughts on how you see the world changing and what social, more permanent impacts we're going to see in the online space and how our listeners can take advantage of this situation, not in a pejorative sense, but in the most constructive sense of the word. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I I love that. I've never heard that PEST framework before, but it's a really great way to kind of consider things. It's an ironic acronym, isn't it? PEST. Yeah. Well, it's, yeah, I guess because it's, it's a pest of something that creates the huge trigger that changes everything, right? I think there's there's a few thoughts I have around this. Like, I think that, yes, there is a high opportunity for some really lasting shifts on a society level from this event. I am also well aware that humans, by our nature, are very much creatures of habit and depends really on how long these, you know, changes to our lifestyle are going to last and at the moment no one can say no one is able to give us a time frame so i think there's a lot riding on how likely these shifts will be permanent will depend a lot on the the time frame of it all but yeah i think there's some really big shifts opportunities so i'm just going to say that that i don't think these are definites it's one of the things i talk about when i when i'm on my my own podcast about future of humanity right like A lot of futurists out there, they'll talk about, here's all the things that are going to happen because they're coming from a purely technological standpoint of what can be done. And they forget about the human market psychology element of people have to buy in and accept these conditions. Now, at the moment with coronavirus, we've got this shift occurring that's making people accept some of these changes that in a normal society structure, they wouldn't have been accepting. When those external pressures are taken off, it's going to be interesting to see how much the market will push back 
on these things. So we can't say with certainty, but here's a few of the insights, I think. I think ultimately we're gonna see a far bigger rise. We already had a huge rise to online dating. I think we're gonna see that potentially even shift to seeing maybe first dates and things on things like Tinder might shift towards being having an online initial first dates before you actually meet up. Maybe not Tinder, because Tinder was a lot more of a hookup, but some of the more serious ones might shift to building into their platforms the ability to host a date inside the app itself. So I think I think we could see some some of those shifts happen on a general society level and with the tech being there. I think also we're going to see a huge shift if not I mean the education systems are, are scrambling to get their online systems set up. I would hope that that was once all this is set up that it would actually really allow a lot more people to do the remote schooling process. Now, I was having this conversation with my family just the other days. I think that there is a huge opportunity now for, you know, I'm a big fan of like the digital nomad lifestyle, right? And it, it, a lot of business owners are aware of that kind of concept of my business can work from anywhere in the world. Like I, I can run my business no matter where I am, uh, anywhere in the world. My entire team is remote. Like my general operations of my business has not been disrupted at all. I'm coming to you right now from my bedroom that I'm in self-isolation for because I've been traveling overseas. But that's not all that dissimilar. I mean, in my bedroom instead of maybe an office, but my life has not changed that much in what I do because my business is already set up that way. I think we're going to see now that a lot more businesses have had to force their staff into remote working, that bigger corporates, bigger businesses that maybe previously weren't a big fan of remote working, they might be a lot more willing and open. So I think there's a huge opportunity that what a lot of entrepreneurs and people who have called themselves digital nomads, that lifestyle might become a lot more accessible to far more people. Obviously, it's going to depend on, on what corporates will decide, but there is, I think this is a great proof of that. I think also we will see there'll be some people that will remember for a certain period of time you know, social distancing, they'll be a bit more like they'll be aware, there'll be probably hopefully more people washing their hands, especially when they have colds and flus. I think things like that will last. I find the whole toilet paper thing hilarious, because for the last few years, I've actually been telling friends, you know, that if a zombie apocalypse happened, and, and you know, the entire economy collapsed, everyone would be like storing food, canned food, I'd be storing toilet paper because I believed that it would be the currency I could use to barter and get things. Because people would be like, oh my God, I'd love some toilet paper and I'll be able to get my food by swapping toilet paper. And I used to say that and people would laugh at me. And now I feel like I have vindication. I have proof <laughs> that this is the currency in a crisis. And how much toilet paper do you have, Carl? Come on, be well, honest. The honest truth is I had this as a nice thought experiment. I never actually bothered to like, stockpile toilet paper. I just thought, yeah, that's what I would stockpile if it was an emergency. Right. So there you go. <laughs> okay, so let's go into your protect, pivot and profit framework. I really, really like that. And I think our business owners would love to hear from you about that. But before we do, I just want to mention that if you want to hear the previous conversation I had with Carl, which I'm sure you would want to because it's really good, go to ProductiveInsights.com forward slash 165. And if you want to hear this conversation and the next two episodes, this is a three-part series, go to ProductiveInsights.com forward slash 192 and 193 and 194 respectively. Okay, so protect, pivot and profit. Talk to us about it and give us some context around the word profit here. Okay, well, let's start with that because I know that there previously you were having a conversation that maybe some people won't like the word profit in, in the current climate that we're in. People don't like feeling like we're profiteering off this 
unfortunate situation. So I thought it would be a good idea to flesh that out a bit. Yeah, look, I, I mean, it's totally my experience and my personal association with the word profit and whatever story someone else has around profit, I can't change that. But I can offer up some of my thoughts of how I see it. To me, profit is not a dirty word. Profit, if you are in business, the whole point of a business is to produce a profit. So if you're going to build a commercial profitable enterprise, I mean, there's a non-profit that's different. But if you're going to build a commercial profitable enterprise, there is a key part there that it is in the pursuit of a profit. My business was not creating a profit. What's the point of being in business, right? I agree. Like, I agree. You're solving a problem. But in, in the current ecosystem, the, the, the capitalist society we live in, a business should be in pursuit of a profit. Now, profiteering and taking advantage of other people, that is a completely different thing to creating profit in a business. Those types of people, that's when they're kind of seeing an opportunity that is creating a win-lose scenario. In my view, everything in business should be a win-win scenario. And if you find someone who has a problem and you can produce a solution to that problem and they can exchange that for some money, that you have set up your business in the right way and you've priced it in the right way that you can solve that problem and end up with a profit after costs. And that is all profit really is. I haven't taken advantage of anyone. I haven't done anything that is untoward. In fact, if anything, I've actually added even more value, which is one of the things I'll talk about when be more about protecting and pivoting. I know you, I know your business, and I completely understand and agree with what you're saying, that you are not a business that makes profit at any expense. But there are businesses that make profit at any expense and in economics they call it externalities i suppose so while i agree with you that businesses the sole purpose of a business is to make profit and that is that's your classic capitalistic model or capitalist model i guess as a world we are learning right now that beyond profit there are other things also that a business is responsible for for example being environmentally responsible or there needs to be some element of equity in the way the business goes about doing things so as not to completely pillage the planet or a society or a community to make that profit. 100%. Yeah, absolutely. I guess, you know, if people have a, a feeling of not liking the idea that someone might profit during some this economic crisis, what I would most say to that, because I 100% agree with everything you said, like businesses, I'm, I'm not a fan of businesses just going out and doing anything in pursuit of profit without any mindfulness of the rest of society. And I would say that at the end of the day, it is impossible for someone, multiple people to not be profiting during this time, right? Like, let's make no mistake. A lot of people are looking at this going, oh my God, it's, it's you know, we're going to have huge economic crisis, which we are. We, have, we ha are already seeing it and it's going to be continuing from here. But the real classification of what this is, is a wealth distribution event. That's what this is. This is a redistribution of wealth event. You know, wealth is going to be redistributed no matter what. And what sucks is that I think there's going to be a lot of people that are going to end up on a lower end of redistribution of wealth than a higher end. And I think that as business owners, as leaders, because that's what we really are as business owners, it is our job to ensure that we end up on a higher end of that and the people we love and care about, our clients, the people, like anything we can to ensure that the people who we care about are going to end up on a higher end of that. Now, that sucks that there are going to be people that aren't, but as many that we can pull with us into the higher ends of that wealth distribution, I think that is our responsibility as business owners. And so that's why I don't see the idea of looking for ways to continue to profit during this time. I do not see that as a bad thing. If anything, I see that as a good thing because 
my view of business, and this has not always been my view of business, but my view of business is when you get to a certain stage in business, it really truly becomes about how do you be the rising tide that lifts all boats. And I know that can be a little airy-fairy for some people because that is, in essence, what capitalism was designed to be. And there are many human ego, greed aspects that avoid that from happening. But if you truly look at it, like when you are in a position where you are making more money, you you can start to employ more people, you can put more money into the economy, you can help put food on other people's tables. Like I used to be very lack mentality. I used to be afraid of spending money. I was I was conscious of keeping my costs low, which is there is a time in your entrepreneurial journey to do that. But then you get to a certain point where what shifted for me was realizing that actually when I spend money, I'm contributing. I used to think when I'm spending money, I'm being wasteful. Whereas now I'm going to, when I'm spending money, I'm contributing. If I go and buy that thing, I'm helping that business stay in business, help them employ the person who maybe served me. I'm helping them put food on their table. And so therefore, the more money I have, the more money I can spend, the, actually the bigger impact and the more I can help bring people to that higher end of, of wealth I remember distribution. studying that in economics. It was called the multiplier effect. And then there was that the accelerator effect where if you spend money, it becomes income for somebody else and they spend, it becomes income for someone else and so on. To your point, Warren Buffett has pledged 85% of his wealth to the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. And he has said that I'm good at making money. I'm not good at giving it away. So I'm going to just give it all to Bill and Melinda and let them give it away. And he's focused on his area of specialty, but he has been, at least on the face of it, very magnanimous. And something else that I respect him immensely for is, to my knowledge, he's created this thing called givingpledge.org. I recommend you check it out. And it basically has photos of all these very wealthy people on that website who have also pledged to give a lot of their money away at the end of their lives or whatever it is. And almost... You know, the people who don't have their images on there, the multi-billionaires, they're conspicuously absent. So it's not exactly name and shame, but he's mobilized a lot of wealth towards the causes on the planet that need it. And so I have a lot of respect for what he has achieved. And that exemplifies what you're saying. Yeah. And, and look, as I said, this is a far more recent transition in my own thinking and, and views of business and the world, which has happened even in just only the last 18 months or so. I truly do believe in the power of business and the ability for us to be leaders. And especially in a time like this, like I think if, if you are listening or watching this or wherever you are listening to this, and biggest thing that you can do right now for anyone, whether that be for your team members, your clients, your friends, your family, community, is to step up and be a leader, to be a voice that is providing some light, some optimism, some guidance, some certainty, because there's so many people right now who are just feeling like their world has been shattered. I mean, I read this article, I think it was this morning, that there was a 21-year-old girl who committed suicide. She committed suicide. She apparently didn't succeed at that, but then she ended up dying a bit later in the hospital because she just couldn't cope with how her world was shifting and changing because of, of you know friends, like not being able to go out and socialize, do it. Like this, that's one of the things I think not enough people are talking about in this environment is the economic impacts will lead to health impacts. Like, so like we have a health crisis with COVID-19, which is leading to an economic crisis but the loop back that I think a lot of people are forgetting there is then the economic crisis is going to lead to mental health crisis and other elements of health crisis. And so it can continue to be this loop if we're not careful. And I think what we can all do is look after ourselves mental health wise, 
but then be out, be a voice out there, be someone who can help bring some certainty in a world of a lot of uncertainty. So that's like coming back to one of your questions. You said like, tell me about, you know, where did the whole protect pivot profit come from was ultimately, you know, I'm very grateful that I've had amazing experience in business. I've been in business now for over 18 years. I take for granted, or I have taken for granted sometimes the way I think and what I see that others don't. And I've been very fortunate to get to a quite a, a decent place financially and business-wise. And uh, when all this kind of happened, I was originally in the US, got back to Australia, had to be in 14-day quarantine. I'm still within that at the moment. So I had a lot of time on my hands. And then we had some clients wanting to cancel, right? Which, because they're looking to cut costs, because either things have happened or they were feeling uncertain. And I offered for some of those clients to jump on a one-on-one -on -one call and just talk to them. I said, look, you know, if you want to cancel, that's fine. But now's the time that you should be leaning on us more. Like if you've had a situation where your business is no longer like viable, before you go cutting a team of people who can help you make changes, build new assets, build marketing, do the things that are going to help you rebuild your business or pivot your business. Like we should be one of the last things you're cutting right now. I don't know what else you're paying for, but we should be one of the, the last ones you cut. And so I said, can I get on a call with you and just talk about where you're at, what's happening in your business and can I help you figure out how you might pivot? And I had a couple of those conversations. And once I had these conversations, I was like, you know what? There's there's something broader here. I need more people need to hear this. I can't just keep having these one-on-one -on -one conversations. And that's why I chose to run the webinar. Where did I get Protect Pivot Profit from? To be honest, I don't fully remember. I might have heard someone else mention it. All I know is that all of a sudden I was just like, yeah, protect. You need to protect your business. You need to pivot. You need to figure out where you need to pivot because most of us have to pivot something, if not a lot of things. And then ultimately we're protecting the business, we're pivoting, but we also need to keep profiting because if if the business is no longer has profit, then I have to let go of my 40-odd team, right? I, and it means my clients are not being served. I'm a sucker for alliteration, so I love, ah, the, me too. I love <laughs> the three Ps. <laughs> probably noticed on the webinar that all my other little sub things were mostly alliterations as well. Yeah, yeah, I love that. <laughs> I love that. Let's dive into the meat of the content, mate. This is fantastic. Firstly, give a little bit of context. Where, where does this come from? At the end of the day, we all need a bit of plan, right? Like if we talk, think about what's kind of going on right now, rules are changing rapidly. It's, it's every day there's something new coming out. We're in a kind of a, this uncharted territory where we feel like, you know, we've never been in this exact situation before. There's all these uncertain timeframes, as I already kind of mentioned. We've, we've got this kind of, we don't know, is this a day? We know it's not a day, but like we're going, is this three weeks, four weeks, 10 weeks, 12 weeks, 18 months? And no one can give us a direct answer because the, the answer is no one truly knows. And then, so that's led to this chaos and panic that's in the market. And whether that's impacted you yet, or it will in the future, it's happening in your friends, your family, in your community, where, even if it's not directly impacted you or your clients yet. And so it's like, if those are the things happening, how do we shift and what do we look at? And so that's kind of where this whole protect, pivot, profit framework comes from is getting you to focus on the things that really matter. So rules are changing all the time. What we need to focus on are the foundations and fundamentals of business. Those are the fundamental foundations of any business that have always kind of been true. The idea that you need to market for people to find you. You, you, know, you need to be out there talking to people and showing people what you do. You need to ensure that you have enough cash flow to keep your business running, right? Cash in and cash out. If you've got more cash going out than cash in, then ultimately long-term, you're going to struggle if you don't have enough ways of getting info of cash. And cash flow is very different to profitability. I think that's important that some people forget. You can have a profitable business and be very cash poor, 
or you can have an unprofitable business and actually still be very viable and survive because you've got high cash flow. In fact, that's how a lot of the big tech companies work that lose. You know, you hear about Uber and companies that are losing millions, if not billions of dollars. The reason that they survive is they have cash coming in through investors. They have a cash injection. They have that cash flow. So it's important to understand that this cash flow is going to be the most crucial thing for any business in this time. Profitability we should be aiming for, but the number one thing is managing that cash flow. So remembering those kind of foundation and fundamentals. And then when it comes to kind of going, well, we're in uncharted territory, what we need to be going is, okay, yes, we've never been in this exact situation before. But if we look back at our history, if we look back over the, the last hundred years or even longer, and we look at what's happened, are there lessons, are there similarities, are there things we can learn from and seek to get some confidence and some certainty? And so we've got things like the Spanish flu epidemic. We have the Great Depression. We have the Great Recession, the GFC, like all, all these elements that we can look at. Yes, we're having some struggles from an economic. Yes, the share markets are down, I think, at the moment, like 35, 40 percent. The thing is that when you look at history, what I can say with very a lot of confidence, obviously not with absolute certainty, but with a lot of confidence, that we will get through this and we will come out the other side. And as I said, it's a wealth redistribution. There will be people who are more wealthy than they were, and there will be people who were less wealthy than they were. And at the end of the day though, society, while it will be different, there will be a lot that is largely the same. This is not the end of the world, we will get through this. And so we just need to focus on how do we ensure that we you know, survive that bridge, I guess, from where we were to where we're going to and uh, and make sure that we're doing what we can to put us in a better position on the on the way out. When it comes to the uncertain timeframes, you know, everything's no one. We don't know how long it is. What what I get from that is that means we need multiple plans. Yeah, there is a time in business where sometimes it's like burn the boats, have one plan. Plan A is all you need because if you have a plan B, it means you don't think plan A is going to work. There is a time and place for that thinking. Now is not that time or that place. Now is the time to go, I have a plan A, and if, th if things change again, I have plan B, and if things change again, I have a plan C and a plan D, and depending on your business, maybe you've got it all the way to plan Z of I shut down my business, I sell it, I go on government benefits, whatever. Like You just need to have these different plans. For me, you know, plan A does not include getting rid of any staff. Right. But that's more down the line as a plan C or D based on what might happen. I might have to do that, but it's not my plan A or my plan B. So it's about having these different plans and knowing what you're going to do so that if you are faced with a change that you go, OK, I know what I'm going to do or what my options are, at least. And then when it comes to you know, everything being in chaos and panic, as I said before, we just need to go. How do we be calm and how do we just have a plan? How do we be the man with the plan and we feel calm? So that's the context around what I'm about to talk about, because that's what links to protect. Because the number one thing we all need to do if we're already in business is we need to protect what we have. This is about protecting your own financial situation as much as you can. It's about protecting your team and the people who work with you. It's about protecting your clients and the people that you know your livelihood depends on. But you know, not only does your livelihood depend on them, if you've got clients who are cutting you because they're going out of business, if you're looking at this going, oh my God, my business is screwed, obviously I have that thought, but my bigger concern is if they're going out of business, what is that doing to them and their family, their situation? Like I'm I'm a small drop in their, their pond, but if I can be a part of this solution, if I can help them avoid that, that is far more important to me than going, oh yeah, I'm doing something to get them to stay with me. Because to me, staying with me and my business 
means that they're actually continuing to make money in their business, which means they're not going on to struggle street. That's a far bigger, far more important to me than whatever, you know, a couple hundred bucks a month that I get from that client. And this goes to the empathy piece. As a business owner, we need to empathize. And that's one of the least used words in marketing and business that I have seen and probably one of the most important. Yeah. Like empathy is, I guess, is a word for it, but it's it's just genuine love and care for fellow human beings, you know? Hmm. It's not about, oh, I empathize with where you're at. It's going... Right now, I can see you are in potentially a really bad place and I can help. And it might not be what I normally do. It might not be part of my normal products and services, but I personally as an individual can yes. help. So I let see. me help. Yeah. Like with my members, for example, I'm just jumping on call after call after call with them. Then it's something that I don't normally offer, but now is not a normal time. So I'm like, hey, you, you need help? I'm here. And I'm burning the midnight oil to do it, but that's what the situation requires. That's what leaders do. It's amazing. It's great that you're doing that, Ash, and, and I hope that many of the people listening to this are also doing that as well. And if you're not and you have the skills to help, which I'm sure you do, start leading, start helping. Yeah, I just feel like there's no other alternative. There's no other way to be. I love it. It's true. So let if we talk about protect, you know, you'll like the alliteration that I have. When it comes to protect, I look at it on four key ways that we need to protect. The first is risk. We need to be looking at what, are, what is the risk in our business. In a time like this, often where our thoughts first go is I need to cut costs. That's what a lot of people come to. That's why, you know, people, maybe your clients are coming to you and canceling or leaving because they're going, I need to cut a cost and they're looking at you as a cost. So one of the first risks that you've got to look at is that, that capital and cash flow risk. And you, you are going to think about costs. But what I will caution people to do is not all costs are equal. And what I encourage you to do is that the very first thing, if, if you take nothing away from this podcast episode, is you need to go away and you need to categorize your costs. Go through your profit and loss, go and look at all your costs and categorize them and categorize them into essentials, investments, and luxuries. Essentials, investments, luxuries. So your essentials are the things that your business are, you know, are essential for it to run. Now, there are some businesses that potentially in the past thought a rental, having an office and rental was essential. This time is potentially going to make you question that and make you start to realize that maybe some of the things you thought were essential are no longer essential. Many of my, my friends, I've helped them shift from having office based and going completely remote. I've been completely remote for over five years. So there are certain things that a lot of businesses think are essential that maybe aren't. So really get really honest about what is essential to keep your, your lights on, to keep your business going. Then the next thing is to look at your investments. And so your investments, we'll talk a little bit about that when I talk about the other R, which is return, but your investments are the things that give you a return. You know, you put in a dollar or $2 and you're getting five, $10 back, right? These are the things that are helping you actually produce. And I think a lot of people can get really caught up and not realize that there's probably a lot more investments in your expenses and costs than you realize. And when you start to look at that and go, well, hold on, when I put money into this, is this giving me a return? You know, like a lot of people get upset because they're using something like, let's say Stripe or some payment processor that takes a fee and they go, oh, I'm spending so much on fees. Yes, you know, it's mindful if there's a way to lower that, sure, do it. But it is a cost of doing business. It is an investment. That fee is a part of you bringing in income. That is an actual investment. That's not a massive cost, right? I wouldn't call that necessarily an essential, but it's an investment. So you've got investments and other types of investments are your advertising cost investments might be if you know if, if someone listened to this is a is a client of automation agency I, I personally believe that working with a team like us is an investment your investments are your team members 
you know, the people you invest in are people that they're, so again, people start going, I need to cut costs. I need to get let go of staff. That may be true depending on your business model. Obviously, you know, Virgin Airlines no longer running flights. Yeah, paying their staff who are sitting around doing nothing, that's no longer an investment. I get that. It sucks for all those people, but it, I get why that's not an investment. So you need to look at your business and go, is there an investment here? And then the the third type we talked about is luxuries. Now, luxuries are the kind of things that maybe you've bought, you've been buying that, you know, you did great in good times. But now it's like, do you really need that thing? Is that useful? And it doesn't mean you have to cut your luxuries. I'm all for keeping a little bit of luxury if the cash flow is there to allow it. But maybe you don't need all the fancy bells and whistles of that software and you can downgrade to a lower plan. Or I'll use an example of a coffee, even though it's not a true, I wouldn't like, can be a luxury, but like, you know, maybe you go and you get a cheaper $1 coffee from 7-Eleven as opposed to getting your, you know, $5 coffee from the fancy cafe. So that's the kind of example when I'm talking about your risks around around that. So so we need to look at our risks. And so we look at our costs and we look at that. The other thing we need to look at is ensuring we're not going to run out of money because, again, we don't have these timeframes. We don't know what's going on. So a lot of the banks have really tried to come to the party for people to provide cheaper finance. That's because most of the, you know, the central banks, the governments have allowed for, you know, lower, lower interest rates and they've been buying up bonds that, you know, I don't know if they've started yet, but they've been talking of essentially doing quantitative easing, which will also make money cheaper. So when that happens, that means that there is cheaper cash available to us. And what I encourage business owners to think about is you may not need money right now, but you don't know what's going to happen. So if you're in a position and if you're in bad debt, again, this is not personal private advice. I'm not a financial advisor. Seek your own individual advice from an accountant. Finance, like Same here. Anything I share with you on this podcast. But I'm not giving financial advice. I need to say that too. <laughs> So let's be clear, you know, do your own thinking, make, you know, you look at your own situation and get your own advice. But there is a huge opportunity here for you to just have this rainy day funds. Now, you might be able to do that because you've got some cash parked somewhere that like for me, I had a bunch of cash that I was going to throw into the share market that right now I am holding on to as cash because while I still see some great buys in the share market that I'd love to take advantage of, I see that the the value of having that cash there for my business right now is a smarter decision. You can also go and get some bank loans. If you want to learn a little bit about tips on investing, options might be an interesting thing for you to consider. In episode one with Neil Patel, we talked a little bit about options versus stocks, so you might find that interesting. Just want to also mention that these loans that you talked about that the government is offering, I know they're doing it in Australia, but a lot of our listeners are actually Americans and Canadians and so on. This is happening in other countries too, is that right? Yeah, look, I don't know all the specifics of, say, Canada and US, but I do know that a lot more, I mean, I know that Trump just recently has announced, a, I think, a something trillion dollar injection. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, right. So I don't know the specifics of that. I haven't looked at that right now. But banks in general, it's in their interest to be getting people who are going to pay them interest. And they know that people are hurting and they don't want to fail either. So there are opportunities to go out. So yes, they're the government grants. So there's a couple of different things. There's government grants that are available, at least in Australia. I feel like they're pretty woeful and useless uh, at the moment. Maybe there'll be another round that won't be as useless. But right now, I feel like the government ones for business owners are pretty useless. They sound good, but when you look at the details, they're useless. But there are also the banks, right? And yes, I'm not a huge fan of debt if you don't need it. But having a overdraft or an additional credit card that if you found yourself in a situation where you're like, you know what, we now see the light at the end of the tunnel. We've got a month more of this to go, and then we'll be able to get open the doors again. 
and now you're but you're at a situation where you've run out of money and you have to close the doors like that would be devastating i'd rather you be in a position where you can go oh the lights at the end of the tunnel all right, I'm going to just lean on this loan. It'll get me through to the other side. Now, we don't know that time frame yet, but if you've got the money there and that happens, you've got options. So I think your advice is go and lock it in. Don't, don't use it and don't be silly about it, but just lock it in and have it there if you need to. That's your plan C or your plan D. Correct. Yeah. It's just have it as an option because you don't know what's going to come and you might find that, you know, to be easily able to access an extra 20 grand or 50 grand or 100 grand or whatever your business size is, is going to be something that will help you get through or help you avoid letting go of a staff member or maybe allow you to make a key hire to a staff member that's going to help you grow and, and get through. You just don't know what the use of that will be yet right now. So your risk is really just managing that cash risk in particular, I think is, is really important. So you're looking at where your cash is going out unnecessarily, but you're also then looking at where am I going to access capital when I need it, if I need it. All right. So we've talked about risk. The other when it comes to protect is your return. So we talked about investments. In a time like this, now is the time, of, again, if we go back to fundamental foundations of business, now is the time to be doubling down on your investments. Anything that is giving you a return, now is the time to throw more at that. If you're putting in a dollar and it's bringing $3 back, Now's the time to continue to do that more, not less. Like you see it in every, and you read about it as well, but you, you can see it in the history books. Every time that there's some sort of recession, crash, depression, whatever you want to call them, a lot of people who go out of business is because they contract rather than push. They pull back on their marketing. They stop marketing because out of fear, they, they think it doesn't work anymore. Now, you need to pivot, and we'll go talk about that in the pivot. When we're talking about pivot, you do need to pivot some of your marketing. You're not just going to keep doing what you always did, but you definitely, now is a good time. I mean, right now in, in this moment, Facebook ads are 30% cheaper because there's people who've pulled back a on lot advertising. Of people, exactly. So they're doing that. They're contracting. Right. They're, they're doing that. But also there's more ad space because more people are now online. They're on Instagram. They're on Facebook. So therefore there's more inventory of places to see ads because there's more people, more sessions. So those two factors combined have led to a reduction in costs. Now that's not going to last forever. And obviously the more people who listen to my advice, they're all going to go out there and it's going to throw the cost back up again. But there's an opportunity to do so. And it's, it's a great opportunity to get out there and get in front of it. Now, obviously it's going to depend on your business model. And again, that goes to pivot, right? Like if your whole business model is crashed and you can't, you can't deliver on anything, then yeah, turn those ads off until you figure out how you're going to pivot and then turn the ads back on. So yeah, this is a time to just double down on what you're spending on ads. If they were working before and they're still working now, don't turn them off. Don't scale them down. Spend more. If you are, you've got team members, right, who produce a result you know, and they only work three days a week. See if you can get them on five days a week, as long as they're still producing a result. You know, this is a time to double down. If you're a client of something like Automation Engine and you weren't using us a lot, so you weren't getting a huge return on your uh, investment, well, it doesn't cost it doesn't cost people who work with us more the more they use us. So now's the time to just use us more, double down on that investment, get a higher return from what you've been spending. These are the things that will really help you grow the return on what you're, you're doing. Look at where your money is getting a return and then going, how do I ramp that up? Who do I need to hire more of? You, know, you might need to hire more people rather than less. You can spend more on ads. I mean, a friend of mine, this week alone, his goal was to get 1,200 appointments booked on the phone. And by Monday morning, he already had 350 people booked in for phone appointments that week. Like, there are still businesses are still functioning. People are still 
inquiring about buying things. It's it's it is not. Yes, there are certain markets that are harder, but it is not like stopped. It, you know, but the way he's done that is he has, I think, a bit over doubled what he was spending on ads to do that. So it's still doable. It's still amazing. He's still getting a return on his money, right? That then that kind of links to, a, okay, cool. Well, maybe you're getting fun. You get, you've ramped up your ads. You've got people coming who want to buy. The, the next R we need to talk about is reward, right? So we've talked about risk. We've talked about return. Now we're talking about reward. Your reward is, when I'm talking about this, I'm talking about what is the reward you're giving your clients, who work with you? What are the rewards you're giving to your partners who refer work to you? Like, how are you adding more value? Like, I heard someone in my world recently say, I cannot remember who it was, but they recently said that in a time like this, it's a really good idea to either offer the same, but at a lower price, like for a less price. So offer the same value at a less price or charge the same and offer more. And I think that's a really nice way of thinking about it. Like, I, I'm not a big fan of discounting if, if any situation, unless obviously the, the market ability to pay has dramatically changed, then you might consider realigning your price point. But I far more prefer the idea of going, keep charging the same that you always were. How do you add more value? How do you do more? How do you ensure that their reward, the return for those working with you is higher? So like, you know, if, if you've had these ideas, like for me with automation, I'll link it back from my own experience. For automation agency, I know that one of the biggest challenges that a lot of our clients have is usually they sign up, they've got projects and ideas in their head, they get all of those done, and then they kind of go, oh, I don't really know what else to do. So I, for a couple of years, have in the back of my mind had these thoughts and ideas around things I could do to try and help with that. We tried it a little bit, but it didn't quite go the way I wanted it, and we kind of scaled back. Yet in the last three days, I've now pulled the trigger on a bunch of these ideas that had been floating around in my head. I'm now like, no, this is what they need. This is what I'm going to do. We're going to create these resources. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. Like I'm adding all that extra value knowing that it's just, it's going to help the market. You know, when I ran the webinar, that was, yes, it was for my clients and I chose to open it up to people outside of my clients. But it, primarily the whole reason I ran that webinar was to help my clients navigate what's going on in business. So that's really what, what reward's about. How do you just magnify the return and reward you give your clients? How do you just give them more? And then the, the final R that is really important to, to talk about protect, we already mentioned mental health. The fourth R is release. How are you as an individual, as a business owner, how are you going to release the stress, release the tension? How do you ensure that you can continue to look after yourself? I really encourage you, if you don't already have one, pick up some sort of a meditation practice. If you've never done meditation before or it sounds hard, download an app like Headspace on your on your phone or Calm. There's a whole bunch of different apps that are free or a couple of dollars. Buy them. One thing I'll say is if you've never meditated before, the number one thing that most people think is, am I doing it right? And the answer is yes. If you are taking time to sit still, even if your mind is still having all sorts of crazy thoughts, the fact that you have just taken that moment to stop, even if the thoughts are happening, you are still meditating right. And the more you do it, you will learn new distinctions, new ways of doing things. And you'll get better. Don't fuss about, have I meditated or not? Just take that time to get still and present. I personally do uh, breathwork meditations. I love them. I can do a breathwork meditation in three minutes. I can do a breathwork meditation in six minutes. I can do hour-long ones. They don't have to be you went and sat meditating on a, in a room by yourself two hours or half a day. It can literally be breathe in through your nose, out through your mouth. The power is in the pause. 
And you know, within my membership program, I have this thing called the premium productivity course. I used to sell it for $500, but now it's inside the membership only. And the fifth module is about mindfulness, but you know, it's all about productivity. The first module talks about the Eisenhower matrix and focusing what's important, not necessarily urgent and 80-20 rule and systems and Pomodoro technique. But mindfulness aligns very well with focusing on what's important but not urgent because you go into a more proactive mental state and that's what the power of the pause gives you. When you pause, you make better choices about what you focus on. You're less reactive and therefore less likely to do what feels urgent. There's an immediacy to it, but it's not necessarily important. It's not necessarily going to move the needle in your business. So an example of something that is important but not necessarily urgent might be hiring good quality staff members and building an awesome culture in your business or creating good systems that mean that you can unhook yourself from that regular activity or you can automate it which is you know getting hiring the automation agency it's an example of something that's important but there's not an urgency to it but if you ignore it for long enough it becomes important and urgent which is a crisis or you end up just focusing on reactive on this reactive loop so mindfulness breathing this release that you're talking about is very underrated and i think it's far more powerful than people probably realize yeah absolutely the release is just is so crucial to not just in a time like this i mean this is a good time to adopt it if you don't have it but just really learning to you know exercise look after your health i, I think as business owners I, and i'm speaking from my own experience here and i may be projecting a little bit on others but i only from my own experience for a lot of my business life, I've got the the blessing of being like an ectomorph in my body type, right? I struggle to put on weight. I've always been very fairly skinny, and it's only when I hit about thirty that even though I'm still was still skinny, I started to get a little bit muffin toppy. Most people wouldn't know, but when my shirt came off, I knew, right? And it was only it was only when I hit about thirty three or just before thirty three that I got challenged with a group of friends to get a six pack. We all kind of were like, all right, we're gonna get a six pack in in four months. That introduced me to eating healthier, exercising daily, and it has absolutely changed fundamentally, not just kind of the way I think, but of and obviously my body and my you know uh, my partner is very pleased. but the the shift really in terms of how I show up by exercising daily, I exercise six days a week. I added the meditation process uh, daily back then as well. But more importantly, like I cut out alcohol, I don't do coffee, only have sugar one day a week. That's my like cheat meal day where I can eat anything I want. And uh, you know dramatically change those that that shift has changed the way I feel and I, I believe has made me far sharper in the way I think. So that's why you were looking so buff the last time I met you. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, I'm not, I'm not going to lie. I've definitely uh, gotten a bit bulkier than I used to in a good way. <laughs> but I think it's important. Like I'm not, I'm not here to preach that, you know, you need to cut out alcohol and, and sugar and coffee. I mean, I've done that and I think it's amazing. And if you want to try it, I highly encourage it. But do you, you do whatever you feel is right for you. But even if I just would say balance it out a bit. If you drink a lot, cool, that's great. But how can you drink more water in the day? You know, if you normally eat lots of sugary things, can you cut that down? Take one day where you're going to go, you know, what? I'm not going to eat that. I, and I think if you can just start to balance out the what you fuel your body with, it's going to make a big difference to the way you feel. You're absolutely right. For health reasons, I've actually cut out sugar and garbage. Basically, I used to eat a lot of rubbish. And I've dropped about, I think, from September to now, it's about five months, I've dropped about almost 10 kilos now. And I do feel a lot better for it. But it's not just because I lost the weight. It's more because I'm just not eating rubbish. 
I just eat healthy food now and it does make a difference to your level of alacrity or your, your alertness. It, it helps your quality of sleep, lots of different things. So well, it's, it's like a car, right? Like it's like I was all like, oh, I'm not going to be able to do this working out daily thing. Like, oh, I'm not I'm not sure I'm not good at I'm not good at this, this going to the gym, like any of those things. And I remember saying that to the guy who was it was running this challenge for us, a friend of mine. And um, he's one of the buffest guys I know. And so he basically set the food, he set the exercise routines, he did it all so we could get the six pack. And I remember saying to him, like, you know, I don't have the willpower. I need I need something that I can do from anywhere because I traveled. Well, I used to travel a lot. At the moment, I'm not traveling much. I said all that. And then when he sent through the plan, I loved it. He hit me, he smacked me in the face. He said, a few of you have said, you know, you don't have the willpower. So it's got nothing to do with willpower and all to do with self-love. If you love yourself, you will do what it takes. Now that to me, it just, it was like a smack in the face and just like, he's right. This is about self-love, looking after myself. And if we go back to the analogy of, you know, we all have heard it. I'm sure someone said it, if not you on this podcast, the idea of putting your oxygen mask on first before you put it on someone else. Looking after your health is one of the best things you can do for your people in your business, your family members, your spouse, your kids, you know, looking after you, one, it's going to make you feel better, but it's also going to mean that you're in a better shape to look after those who, who rely on us as leaders because we are leaders as business owners. One of the best things we can give to other people is our state, our emotional and psychological state. Yeah. And so just really going, all right, self-love. And then it linked back to like, yeah, like this, this vehicle that I currently call Carl that I seem to be in, I only have one of those my entire life. If I love myself, I would look after it, right? I would make sure it was good. So we're getting a bit of a rant here, I guess, on, on health. But I just, we go back, the real important thing is have a practice of exercise, have a practice of meditation, breathing, uh, taking some time to be mindful. Um, you know, you do whatever, find, you, know, you find the thing that you resonate with. Please don't feel like I'm here telling you you need to do what I do. Uh, all I do is share and offer uh, my insights and my experience, you you choose to find what works for you. But it's it's really important, I think, that you have something that lets you release. Maybe you like to play video games or in the background there, Ash, I see your, you know, your guitar. You take some time out on the guitar. Or I just recently bought a VR Oculus Quest. You know, I, I haven't used it much yet, but that could be a way of just getting a release. Uh, maybe you just like to have lots of sex. Go and have lots of sex with your partner. You know, that's a way to release, to find something to to release. Yeah, just don't have it with somebody else's partner or that won't work out very well for you. <laughs> well, it depends on what rules of the relationship. Well, there, this is a good point. You're right, actually. Yeah, it does depend <laughs> on the rules of the relationship. So if it's okay, I'd like to just wrap this up and bring this first part to a close. But I can't wait to have you back on, Carl, so we can talk about part two and part three of this, which is pivot and profit. So I've been taking notes diligently, as I often do when you speak. And I'm just going to go through some of the key points and then maybe you can add some more ideas, particularly around action steps. So I'm going to see if I can come up with something useful for our listeners. So we started off talking about business continuity in this very changing world. And you talked a little bit about how we are creatures of habit. You talked about how you see potentially a paradigm shift in, say, something like online dating. And maybe the first date would happen online. We talked a little bit about the PEST framework and how political slash regulatory changes can bring about social changes, which in this case is actually happening as we speak. But then some of those changes remain permanent. Not all of them are permanent, but some of them remain permanent. Then we talked about being the voice of certainty in an uncertain world and the importance of being a leader. And this is an action step most of our 
listeners can take. We can make sure that we are that voice of certainty. We then talked about marketing, depending on how you look at it, but your view and my view, and I agree with it, is marketing is probably one of the last things you should cut. And we talked about how marketing at this particular time is probably when you should double down. And also we talked about cash flow and the importance of cash flow as opposed to profitability. So profitability is about you know making money on paper. And if I put on my CPA hat, I can tell you, and I agree with you, that there are businesses that are profitable on paper but aren't very cash rich. And then you've got the other side of things, businesses like Uber that are not particularly profitable. And Amazon wasn't for a long time too but they have a massive amount of cash flow and sometimes that comes from investors. So they're two different things and right now what is needed is being in a strong cash flow position. We're in uncharted territory and we need to have multiple plans. There is a time for burn your boats and only have plan A, but right now it's probably a good idea to have plan A, B, C, D and E and that's a good mindset with which to approach the current situation. So that was the background, the context. Then you went on to talk about how protecting what we have is a priority. You talked about the four R's under the, the protect side of things, which is risk. You need to ask yourself, what are the risks in our business? Differentiate essentials from investments and luxuries in terms of your costs. So all your costs are not the same. So categorize them into essentials, investments, and luxuries. Ensure that you're not gonna run out of money. Look into things like government grants and lock them in if you can get them or bank loans at lower prices. Doesn't mean you use them. And for goodness sakes, don't go and get the loans and then just burn the cash. Be intelligent about it. Then we talked about return, which is now is the time to double down your investments. We talked about reward. This is the time to really reward your customers by giving them more value and magnify what you give them. Because believe me, they will remember you when they come out the other side and we will come out the other side at some point. And the last one was release, which is looking after yourself and having some kind of a routine, whether it's meditation or yoga or whatever works for you and having a consistent diet. And if you want to learn more about this, by the way, check out episode 175 with James Clear, the author of Atomic Habits. He really shared some brilliant ideas, simple but brilliant. Want to watch less TV? Don't have your lounge facing the television. Just change your environment to improve your habits and your behaviors and atomic habits is an excellent book another excellent book to get your mindset right is the alter ego effect by todd herman and i had him on on episode i think it was 176 really good conversation and in fact i wanted to mention todd recently posted something on facebook where he's actually unfortunately been ill i believe with the virus and he interviewed a lot of CEOs when he was sick and he found some amazing insights and several of those CEOs that have the best attitude right now he said have a meditation practice that was something he found that stood out for them so to your point Carl that and I think I think the other one was that they they consumed far less of the because I saw that too I, I saw Todd's post on about that and yeah it was the far less consumption of media as well was a big part that he found with those yeah. So if you want to be the silver lining, some simple action steps you can take right now is try and unplug from the media. Yes, you need to be informed, but time box it. Say you want to read the news. Maybe don't read it first thing in the morning. Maybe set your routine first thing in the morning. Decide what you want to do, what you want to achieve, and maybe read it when your energy levels are flagging anyway and you're not going to really get that much value from your energy. And man, check out the episode with Todd Herman. It's on our YouTube channel, youtube.com forward slash Productive Insights. Just look for Todd Herman, you'll find it there. So any other action steps you'd like to add to this, Carl? Yeah, um, 
Look, I mean, I think I think we've covered it all, to be honest. I think I think really what I would encourage anyone to do is from this episode, you know, go back and listen to it again if you need to. But you maybe you listened to it this first time and you were just consuming it. Next time, listen to it again now with a sheet of paper where you're going to go, okay, that's the thing I'm going to do. Start to map out your plan. And then when we, we talk about the other, part, uh, the other parts as well, you're just going to add to that existing plan. So you kind of create your protection plan and then you're going to have your pivot plan and then ultimately, you're going to figure out how you're going to take that and turn that into a way that you can profit. You know, I've heard of this company called the Automation Agency, and I might actually ask them to put together some nice little cheat sheet that our listeners can download at ProductiveInsights.com forward slash 192, which is where this episode is going to be living. And if you haven't already subscribed to the Automation Agency, all I can say is you're doing it at your own peril. Uh, actually, that's that's a bit of an overstatement. Assuming that you have the funds... It really has been one of the best investments I've made in my business. It, it really helps me to focus on the things that matter. So I highly recommend it. And I do, full disclosure, I do happen to be an affiliate. So there's already a link. It's ProductiveInsights.com forward slash automation. I'll put the link in the show notes. But Carl, can you tell us a little bit more about how our listeners can find out more about you and how they can sign up for the automation agency if they choose to do that? Yeah, look, if... if- People want to find out more about me. I mean, you can find me at carltaylor.com. So, you know, that's where you can learn more about me. Also, if you want to connect more with me, you know, I have a, a free Facebook group, nothing to sell you. It's called Entrepreneurs by the Pool. You can find that at carltaylor.com slash pool. That's the shortcut that'll get you straight there. Request to join, come and hang out, talk business, ask questions. Um, that's where I post some stuff, but, you know, you can engage with me there as well. Uh, outside of that, if you want to start with Automation Agency, then uh, you can go to Automation Agency or go through uh, Productive Insights link. So, you know, you can you can Google for us, but you're better off going through Ash's link. And um, yeah, look, it's it's take a look, see if we're, we're not for everyone. We're not going to suit everyone. We only work with specific platforms. So take a look at our supported platform list. See if you use the tools that we help with and see if you have an ongoing need. You know, if you've just got a one-time project, we may or may not be right for you. But if, if you can see an ongoing partnership that's worthwhile, we'd love to partner with you and really just help take away some of those tech headaches and allow you to not have to train and build your own your own teams. So uh, we work with agencies, we work with coaches, consultants, and business owners, and we just really want to be there to serve you. And uh, look, we're not perfect. We don't always get it right, but we we really are there to, to support in best we can. Well, my entire membership site was set up by you guys, and they put their heart and soul into it. I'm sure everyone makes mistakes. I make them all the time. But if you can be specific in your feedback when you want when you do have negative feedback that helps if you can be kind and you can be courteous that helps yeah i just think clarity is very important it comes down to culture and there are some companies that really have a good culture and from my experience automation agency is one of those i highly recommend checking it out and carl i look forward to having you back on episode 193 where we'll be talking about the second part of this three-part series and that will be ProductiveInsights.com forward slash 193. And that episode is going to be about the pivot section of this conversation. And then the last one will be profit. And that'll be ProductiveInsights.com forward slash 194. So at this point, I'm going to say au revoir, but not farewell. And we'll meet again in the next episode. Bye for now. Thanks for listening to the Productive Insights Podcast. You can find all the links in the show notes below this episode on ProductiveInsights.com. You can also ask questions in the comment section that Ash personally answers. How can Ash help you today? 